Welcome to Transform and Thrive. Your host, Helen Lee, examines the opportunities and practical solutions for individuals and organizations to transform and thrive in these times. She shares her wisdom and that of other changemakers impacting our world. Tune in for innovative and holistic tools and empowering strategies to reinvent yourself and or your organization and flourish in a world facing different crises. Hi, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to my podcast, Transform and Thrive. I have a very special guest today, and her name is Ariel Ford. Uh, let me say a few things about her. Ariel is a leading personality in the personal growth and contemporary spiritual movement. For the past 30 years, she has been living, teaching, and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She's a celebrated love and relationship expert, author, and speaker. Uh, welcome, Ariel. Thank you so much for giving me this interview. Oh, you're so welcome. How are you? Uh, good, Ariel. And I understand you've just recovered from uh, two weeks of COVID, but you look really great. <laughs> Well, I was very fortunate. I was vaccinated and boosted. So it was super mild. It was like having a cold and congestion and it wasn't terrible at all. And the only hard part was the isolating, but I'm all better now. And as my doctor kept saying to me, it's not if you get COVID, it's when you get COVID. So it was my turn. And uh, would, did you find the two weeks useful to slow down and catch up? Yes. Yes, I read I read a lot of good books, which was I love to read fiction. So I got caught up on some reading and I got to binge watch some really fun shows on on all the streaming apps. So it wasn't terrible. It was just the idea of being restricted was harder than the actual doing of it, you know, because I, I get to be a little antsy and I like to get up and run around and the last thing my husband wanted was for me to leave my room. So <laughs> I didn't do much of that. Yes. Um, I was fascinated when I was reading up about you, about uh, your focus on accepting imperfection and to also think that that is one of the main things we are here on earth to, to learn how to do. Can you tell us more about that? Right. So the whole idea of perfection is just a big flat fat lie. It's just a myth. None of us is perfect. You know, you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And yet we're constantly striving for perfection in ourselves, in our bodies, in our kids, in our careers, in everybody around us, which leaves us in a state of, you know, upset, anger, disappointment, because we can't get to this thing that doesn't exist called perfection. And I was very fortunate about, oh, God, it's like 30 years ago now, when I learned about the ancient Japanese aesthetic of wabi-sabi. And that's a total unknown to people here in America. We've never heard of wabi-sabi. So for your listeners who may not be familiar with it, wabi-sabi is the idea of honoring all things old, worn, weathered, imperfect, and impermanent. And it seeks to find beauty and perfection and imperfection, to celebrate imperfection, to find something beautiful about it. Oh, so yeah. when I first learned about it, I started applying it to myself. 
And then once I got married, I decided, oh, well, my husband, who was so perfect before the wedding is not so perfect after the wedding. You know, how can I be wabi-sabi about love? And I found it to be extremely useful, you know, because um, I'll give you one example. Um, One day after we got married, I found myself with my left hand on my hip and my right finger like this. And I was ragging on him about something. I don't even remember what. And I caught myself doing it. And I stopped. And I said to him, I said, "Um, the next time I do this, and unfortunately, there's going to be a next time because I tend to be bossy and overbearing. Could you just kindly, sweetly say to me, when did Sheila enter the room? Now, Sheila was my mother's name and my mother's wonderful woman who I love, but also bossy and overbearing. And he got it instantly. And he said, yes. And the next time I get too patronizing, you can call me Wayne, which was his was his father's name. So in this instant, rather than escalating to World War Three, we came up with a wabi sabi solution to have code names for each other. And of course, every time we use them, we laugh, you know, because I'll get off on one of my rants about something and he'll just go, oh, I see Sheila's with us now. Or he'll get up on his soapbox and go, oh, God, when did Wayne get here? And then we laugh. And so that's the usefulness. Sounds great. And you have uh, been married for what, 25 years? Yeah, 24 years in June. Okay. It went really fast. It went by like that. And no big challenges along the way at all? Oh, lots of big challenges all the time. You know, Uh, I was just telling somebody today, had I known the extent of some of the challenges we were going to go through, I might have decided to never get married, not because they were personal, just because life is difficult when you are committed to wanting somebody else's happiness as much as your own, and you have taken sacred vows, and you agree to be with them on the good days and the bad, that is a huge responsibility, because shit's going to happen. That's how life is. You know, you're going to have ups, and you're going to have downs. And, you know, you need somebody who's going to be loving and caring and compassionate, and also call you on your stuff when you're out of control. And conflict is a natural part of it. But learning how to navigate that conflict is not something we're born with. It's a learned skill. You know, so we have to learn to communicate with kindness and with empathy and with compassion instead of screaming, yelling, bitching, moaning and complaining, which, as we know, doesn't work. (laughs) It's like keeping a covenant, a a commitment, you know, a, a great bond, right? Yes, it's a sacred vow. You've taken a sacred vow. And of course, the benefits are people who are in happy marriages, live longer, happier, healthier, more satisfying lives. And when they do get sick, they heal faster. Mm -hmm. And for men in particular, men who are in a good marriage live seven years longer than single widowed or divorced men. Mm. so it's worth working for as hard as it can be yeah but what would you say is the hardest thing about accepting each other's imperfections including our own well it's sometimes it's a daily practice you know especially if you have a judgment about it 
You know, you have to remind yourself that, you know, you, I, I always ask the question, you know, let's say Brian's doing X, Y, Z, something I like, like he, he, he'll dry the dishes, but he'll leave water all over the kitchen floor. And I like to walk around barefoot. So it totally grosses me out, you know, and he doesn't see it's a big deal because he always has slippers on, you know, and so I have to ask myself when I'm getting grossed out, because my feet are now wet. Uh, I'll say to myself, is this a reason not to love him? Okay, these are the little uh, irritations of each day, which do get us, right? But what about the bigger things? You know, I don't know. Well, it, it depends what it is. You know, if, if you have somebody who's lying, cheating, bad behavior, active addiction, then you need a professional. You need somebody with a PhD or an MD to intervene and counsel you. But for the everyday annoyances, you know, some of them, you know, you're not going to change. You just have to accept like Brian's just never going to dry the dishes over the sink. I got to get over it. You know, but on the other hand, um, there are ways to have deep, meaningful conversations from a place of kindness and compassion. You know, and in my book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, I wrote a whole chapter with scripts on how to do that you know so if you want to have a conversation with somebody first you have to ask them you know when's a good time to have a talk not like we have to talk you're not trying to scare scare them or terrify them but you know i would say oh you know helen i have a problem and i could really use your help do you have 10 minutes sometime today to talk to me you know and you could say oh no just tell me now it's like no no you're getting ready for work i'm getting ready for work just tell me what's a good time. Okay, why don't we go for a walk at four o'clock? So you and I get together at four o'clock. And I would start the conversation by saying something like, you know, Helen, I know how much you love me. And I know you would never purposely do or say anything to upset me. But yesterday, when you said A, B and C, I felt X, Y, Z. And then I shut up. And I let you talk. Because chances are, you didn't mean to say it. I misinterpreted it. There was something else to it. But it's just about how to have mature adult conversations so you're not walking around with the assumption that somebody's out to get you. Because for the most part, only psychopaths are waking up in the morning thinking, how could I make Helen miserable? The rest of the time, people just want to make you happy. And we're reacting to you know, a perceived insult. What about like in the last couple of years with the pandemic, you know, has it been harder for, for couples, uh, not only couples, but, you know, all, all forms of relationships, right? Well, pretty much what I've seen is the single people don't want to be alone anymore. And the married people are t sick and tired of each other and can't wait to break free. It's like too much of a good thing, you know, because being into forced isolation 24-7 when you're used to being apart eight or 10 hours a day is a big change, you know, and then you have to work out the space issue. You know, everybody's privacy is suddenly gone. You know, the ways we used to burn off stress. You know, if you had a partner who was used to going to the gym for 90 minutes every day and suddenly they're home and all they can do is, you know, a, a YouTube workout video, things are very different, you know, and our needs are different. So it's been really tough for everybody of every age and every situation. I mean, I tell people right now, I believe we're in the middle of a seven point, 
7.5 billion person nervous breakdown. Wow. (laughs) Right? We're all anxious. And even if you're somebody who's normally very chill and you're not high anxiety, the fact that we coexist in the unified field together is you may not be a nervous wreck, but because pretty much everybody in Singapore is, you're reacting and vibrating at the frequency of crazy, right? So we have our own anxiety and then we have the shared field of anxiety. So I'm, I'm really of the mind that we have to really give each other a break these days and give each other space and not take so many things personally and try to love everybody as much as possible because they're imperfect and we're imperfect. And, you know, that's all we can do is, can we be kind? Can we be gracious? Can we be accepting? Yeah, I think that's really, it really comes down to that. And do you think that the pandemic has served a purpose to, for actually for consciousness to rise? Well, that's what they say. At the moment, I don't see a lot of evidence of that, especially if you look at what's happening in Ukraine. I would say we're going in the wrong direction. You know, and and then, of course, these times have been predicted from Nostradamus uh, and anybody else that we would live during these times. Right. So it's hard for me to to think any further than this moment. I have found for myself what keeps me sane is to live life in like two hour windows. I don't make plans anymore, right? You can't make plans. We don't know, you know, if you try to book an airline to go somewhere, we don't know if those borders are gonna get closed and we're gonna get stuck, you know, 4,000 miles from home. So you have to figure out how can I maintain my center of gravity, my own peace of mind in the midst of being in the center of the cyclone, which is what we're all in. How do you personally do that? I mean, you've been through quite a bit recently with your mom passing away. Yes, yes. I had to you know, walk her through, you know, her, her illness and dementia and confusion and not being able to get caregivers because of the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's been a, I feel like I've just gotten back from a war on so many levels. So for me, I have practices. So uh, are you familiar with the Institute of Heart Math? Yes, I interviewed Bruce recently. Right, yeah, Bruce Cryer, wonderful people. So I've known them for 25 years and I practice doing heart lock-ins and I have their app on my phone, the Inner Balance app. So I do the heart math technique for 15 to 20 minutes twice a day where I'm breathing deeply with my attention on the area of my heart, thinking thoughts of calm and peace and love and measuring it. It's because it's a measurable scientific thing. So I do that in, in between all that, when I get upset or angry or whatever, I do EFT tapping. You know, I have this spiritual toolkit or I'll do self-talk method with the Sedona method. Or if I'm really Meshuggah, which is Yiddish for crazy, I'll go take a lavender bath or I'll go for a walk out in nature and do some deep breathing by the ocean. So, you know, emotional management is something I've been able to really wrangle over the last couple of years, you know, because like when lockdown first started here in California on March 15th, 2020, they said, oh, it'll be two weeks, you know, okay, well, we can survive anything for two weeks. But when it started getting longer and longer and longer, and I've got a crazy travel bug, and suddenly I can't go to lunch with my friends, let alone visit my friends in Italy, 
I was going crazy, you know, so that's when I improved my practice with my HeartMath app and started, you know, doing more of the self-care just to keep my nervous system intact, you know, uh, but I feel very fortunate because I have access to these tools. I'm aware of them and I, I made myself have the discipline to use them. Mm, yeah. What um, do you do? How do you get yourself off the thin branches? Well, you know, one of the things that I um, am actually the main thing that I'm advocating uh, for the whole world is to um, merge our human self with our with the highest aspects of who we are, you know, and and that is the soul self and spirit. Spirit meaning our uh, the, the part of us that is consciousness itself. Um, so I mean, like in the year two thousand. Um, after a lot of inner work, what happened was this amazing mystical experience where golden light came out of me and filled up the entire bedroom from floor to ceiling. Now, we all have this light, actually. And um, the, the, you know, when we were talking about perfection and imperfection, we already have the perfection within us, right? And it is, to me, it's a... a you know, matter of loving and embracing the human self exactly as we are uh, and uh, merging it with the soul and, and the spirit that we are as well and which we have not focused on, right? So the more we can do that, the more these highest aspects of who we are emerge and take over or lead us, then the easier it gets. Right. And you still allow yourself to be human, to be imperfect anyway, because we are in this body. We are living this human life. We are meant to be imperfect, but there is this perfection as well. And once you have created that merge uh, or that melding, you know, you can easily come back to it anytime. Well, I have had that experience in the dream state where I was in a state of oneness, where I knew that I knew, you know, yes. and then when I get back to the 3D reality, to this physical dimension, uh, accessing it doesn't feel that easy to me. So what I try to do is remember to use my feet as my point of consciousness for my physical reality. And also, when I'm doing my inner balance work or any of the other stuff, be open to being multidimensional, but not in a way that it's an aspiration, just more like it's a receiving and allowance to have those various states. Because I really like Ramdas once said that, that we weren't, we didn't come into the human body to be meditating in a cave. No, no, we came all. here, right. To have a human experience. And so my favorite philosopher is Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain, do you know who he is? No, actually. He, he, he's, um, he had a show on CNN for years. He, he uh, traveled the world uh, bringing the food. The, the chef? food and yes, culture. yes, of course. Chef Tony Bourdain, yeah. right? Yes, yes. So Tony Bourdain says, your body is not a temple. 
it's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> right? Right? It's quite young, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. No, he just died a couple of years ago. But he had this amazing life. He did enjoy the ride. I mean, he enjoyed it a little too much. He was smoking, drinking, doing drugs, eating everything. Yeah, okay. You know, experiencing everything. And at the end of the day, it was more than he could handle. But I like that concept that our body is an amusement park. You know, <laughs> so yes, we want to take care of it but not to the degree of rigidity that we're not enjoying life. You know, like somebody once said, well, if you cut out this food and that food, you know, and you only eat this and they're proselytizing all this stuff, you'll live two years longer. And I said, you know, I'd rather give up the two years to enjoy <laughs> French fries once a week because I love French fries and have pizza once a month because I love pizza. I don't want to go on, you know, I mean, there's 10, whether it's keto or the blue zone diet or, you know, whatever it is, they're so restrictive, you know, they're just, and I don't want to feel Look, guilty. Some of it is not that healthy anyway, actually. I know because it changes anyway. I remember, you know, back when, when I first was a runner, when I was much younger, you know, and carbo loading was the thing, you know, eat those carbs, eat plenty of pasta, eat all the mashed potatoes you want, of course, and then they found out, oh, all that carbo loading spikes your blood sugar, and you become pre diabetic, and that's no good. And then eggs were no good. Now eggs are good. So whatever it is, they're saying whatever's true today, from the nutritionists out there, you know, two years from now, they're going to say no, it wasn't any good. You know, the Atkins diet, just eat, eat meat, no carbs, eat all the fat, don't eat this. At this point in my life, I'm kind of in the 80-20 zone. It's like, I'm going to eat what I believe is healthy for my body 80% of the time. And the other 20%, I'm going to have whatever it is that appeals to me, even if it's a glazed donut. <laughs> I, I think... Um... You know what you, you said something about for your body, right? So that yeah. is the key, really. So you because you're listening to the wisdom of your body, right? And right. what's good for me wouldn't be good for you, yeah, absolutely, necessarily, right? We, and so you have to figure that out. I mean, I tried really hard to be vegan for 10 days once, and at the end of 10 days, I was in bed, I felt terrible, I was miserable. I, I was doing this under a doctor's care, he had me doing all this detoxing. And I called him and I just said, I feel like I'm dying. I'm foggy. I can't work. I'm so unhappy. He said, what's your favorite food? I said, Indian curry. He said, go eat the biggest Indian dinner, have that garlic naan, go eat some curry, you know, and then see how you feel. And of course, I felt fantastic after I had that. And then I said, after that, no more detoxing for me. It just my body didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, people underestimate the importance of the happiness factor, right? Uh, where you're not uh, repressing or suppressing, you know, things that you love, right? Where you care about right. yourself. Because you get happy molecules, yeah. you know, yeah. you're having a great lunch or a great dinner with friends and you're laughing and you're enjoying all your senses being alive in. What could be better for you than joy? Yeah. And, and you really look great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm feeling good. Thank God. Knock on wood. How, how do we take all of this, you know, uh, the embracing of imperfection to 
beyond relationships uh, as in between uh, you know two people right uh, meaning couples how do we take it to um, say the workplace for, for for instance well listen we're surrounded by other imperfect people you know but they're not a hundred percent imperfect you know it's like let's say you have somebody that you work with that has this one annoying thing that they do all the time. It drives you crazy and there's no way to get them to stop, you know, figure out a way to, to reframe the whole thing. Um, Like for instance, I had this woman in one of my workshops once who, who said to me, I have this issue that there's no way to wabi sabi. It's there's no way to fix it. And I said, well, what is it? She said, she said, "Um, my name's Stephanie And I've been married to Garth for 16 years and I'm a perfectionist. I'm a clean freak. I'm a neat Nick, everything in its place. And Garth is a super sloppy, messy person. And the only reason we're still together right now is that he has an out of state job. So he's only home two weeks of every month. So while he's away, the house is perfect. And then he comes home and within hours, it's a mess again. And I just can't take it anymore. I may have to leave. And I said to her, I said, well, do you have a dog? And she said, yes. And I said, does your dog shed? And she said, yes. I said, okay, Stephanie, what do you do when your dog sheds? And she said, well, I vacuum up after him. And I said to her, well, do you love your dog? And she got really quiet. And then she said, oh my God, Garth sheds. And in that moment, she realized just like the dog has no control over his hair falling on the carpet, Garth has no ability to stop being who he is. So a year after that happened in the workshop, I was writing, turn your mate into your soulmate. And I started wondering about her, like, was that just an aha moment in a workshop or did something really change? And fortunately, I was able to track her down. And I asked her, I said, Stephanie, how are things with you and Garth? And I fully expected her to say we're divorced. And what she said is, they've never been better. In fact, it's so good that he quit his out-of-state job so he could start a home-based business so we could be together 24-7. And yes, he's still a slob. So he didn't change. What changed was her perception of him. Was this, you know, was the sloppiness a good enough reason not to love him? Or could she just understand that this is just a piece of who he is? Not your favorite piece, but there was enough good there to love the imperfection. Just as I'm sure your partner would love your imperfections. And at the end of the day, you know, if your partner were to die tomorrow, it's some of the imperfections that you would most miss. You know, if they were someone who left wet towels on the bathroom floor, what would you give to trip over a wet towel when they're no longer with you? Yeah. So it comes down, comes back to love and acceptance, basically. Yeah. And asking yourself, is this a reason not to love them? Do you think that in the end, also, the work comes back to self because she's a perfectionist because um you know there's a part of her that is that thinks she's not perfect of course i mean we're all like that and accepting everybody out there believes that they could be better 
that they're not, on some level, they're not enough. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. I saw Oprah in an interview once and they were having a similar kind, kind of conversation. And Oprah said, let me tell you a story. She said, you know, I've interviewed every important person alive on the planet, right? You name them, I've interviewed them, whether it was Beyonce or Obama or Paul McCartney or whoever. And she said, at the end of every single interview I've ever done, whether it was with an unknown person or one of the most famous persons in the world, do you know what they said? And the woman said, no. They said, was that okay? Everybody is insecure. Everybody wants to be acknowledged that they've done the best they can. You know, and we think it's just everybody who looks perfect. But that's not true. I mean, if you think about what's going on in the world right now, especially in the mental health realms, where all of these superhero athletes are finally admitting they're stressed out, anxiety ridden, you know, people in need of therapy, they're just like you and I, you know, we, we all have these insecurities and we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved and accepted exactly as we are warts and all. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say uh, or refer back to what I said earlier about merging with soul and the highest aspects of who we are. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's also, you can be, actually when this really happens, it's not only that you come, you can come easily from a place of certainty uh, from within yourself. You also um, move into more effortlessly move into ease and grace, you know, yeah. and, and it's, you can be really a lot simpler then and also a lot more detached at the same time. And you can be, I, I get silly happy for it, for instance, you know, <laughs> uh, because a lot of things then don't really matter all that much. Right. And you talk a lot less. There's less to say when you're just at peace, like uh, here on my desk, I have a, a stone that I had made. I don't know if you can read it. It says Santosha, utter contentment. And Santosha is the Sanskrit word meaning utter contentment, because I used to believe that happiness was the goal. And then what I discovered is happiness is attached to a person, place or thing or event. And if that goes away, then I will no longer be happy. And contentment is really the place to shoot for. Because when you're at utter contentment, when you're at Santosha, you are in a space of peace and contentment, regardless of circumstances, that you can, you can find your center ground in spite of what's going on around you. Now, it's not an easy place to be, but my goal every day is to have moments of Santosha, you know, and then when I'm having the moments that are the exact opposite, you know, when something or someone's making me crazy, then I pull out my spiritual toolkit. And it's my job to get myself into heart neutrality and back to, you know, new, really a, a neutral heart space, which I think is a, even a, a better place to be than happiness, you yeah. know, just be with what is. So when you say uh, it's my job, so it comes back also to, taking personal responsibility, doesn't it? That is, that's the key to everything in life, right? You can't, you can't control what happens, but you can control your response to it. And that requires maturity. 
You know, you have to be aware of, oh, I'm spinning out. Now I can go for the ride because there's a lot of good hormonal feelings to spinning out. You know, there's an adrenaline rush. You know, I can be a drama queen. I can bitch and moan to my friends. I can rant and rave. And, you know, you can go for that ride or you can choose, oh, maybe I need to take a little time out. Maybe I need to do some breathing, close my eyes, drop into my heart, you know, recite the things I'm most grateful for you know, and then go on. But that requires awareness and maturity. Absolutely. And and what if we took all that to um, the level of world leaders and let's say what's happening on the world stage right now, right? How do we take um, all that? I mean, what, what, how do you feel about the future and what will happen? Do you think there will be major changes <laughs> Don't well, we are in the midst of major changes the question will be will it become nuclear and will we be wiped out we don't know because there's a there's a, a crazy person with his fingers on the button uh so what i do is i have two different intention groups that i'm a part of and we meet for an hour one's on sunday one's on a monday part of lynn mctaggart's power of eight, if you're familiar with her work, yes, where we, we do intentions for people in our group who are dealing with illnesses or problems. And then we do a global intention, you know, and we hold that frequency. The people at HeartMath have the global coherence movement where they have thousands of people holding the same intention, you know, and as you know, everything is energy and the energy is a frequency. So, you know, can we go and pick up arms and fight Ukraine? No, we can't. But could we spend some time every day in silence holding the intention for a miracle? Absolutely. We don't even need to know what the miracle is. You know, is the miracle somebody assassinating Putin? I don't know if that's the miracle. I don't need to know what it is. I don't need to know how it happens, but I do need to hold the intention that what is in the highest and best good of the, of the greatest number of people, that would be a miracle for me. Yeah. I actually think we are moving towards uh, a golden age. So I don't really think in terms of a nuclear war or, um, or even World War III, um, I think in terms of the dismantling of the old, uh, the old way of governing, the old way right, of... Right, but how long is that going to take? Is it going to happen in our lifetime? Like you and I are the same age pretty much, right? Yes. Like how many years do we have left? 15, 20, 25? I don't know that we're going to live long enough to see the dawning of the golden age because now we're in the deconstruction yeah. you know the de-evolution and yes of course the patriarchal society there's a lot of things that need to change uh will but and it could be that you know the way people are rallying around Zelensky and Ukraine this could be the moment at which we decide no we are not going to take this we're not going to repeat the past we are going to gather as a, as a humanity and hope for the highest and best. Because the thing, no matter how politically divided we are, no matter what side of that fence you're on, the one thing everybody can agree on is taking care of the children. Absolutely. Right? And and also just- You can't the, politicize yeah. that. No, and just generally it's about humanity, right? If we uh, believe in or understand the idea of the interconnection and 
and the oneness of everything, then the suffering of another soul is is our suffering as well, right? Yeah. And and our own uh, personal conflict uh, and conflict between people, couples, you know, every day, you know, sends energy that then collects somewhere else. So we, I feel that in some way we are also responsible for what shows up, you know, in another country, somewhere else, you know. That's the butterfly effect, yeah, you know, which is why we have to self-manage, right? And, you know, my, my husband has this great idea. He has this thing he calls soulmate math because in basic arithmetic, one plus one equals two. But he says in soulmate love, one plus one equals 11 and your love blesses the world. So if you can share your love with others, whether it's a romantic partnership or just a soulmate best friend, where, you know, the whole two, when two or more are gathered, you can impact the frequency, which is why I like to be a part of these healing intention prayer groups, you know, because I can pray on my own every day. But when I'm on a Zoom with 25 or 45 like-minded people who happen to also be friends of mine, and we have this shared collective bubble to breathe into i know that that must you know be magnified many many times over yeah i like that about the the one plus one equals 11 right (laughs) i like that yeah yeah trust him to come up with that (laughs) well you know his brian believes that the purpose of his life in this incarnation is to make sure that every person he comes in contact with has the experience of being loved. Yeah, he's very funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he does. You know, now mostly these days because of pandemic and other reasons, he does it on Facebook. But anybody who's his Facebook friend knows that, you know, if you write to him, he writes back and he gives you a blast of love that jumps off the screen. Amazing. I mean, does is he like that the whole time? Other than being messy? Uh, he's not the messy one. I'm the messy one. Um, you know, he's, he's like that a majority of the time, you know, listen, like all of us, there are, there are moments when he's tired and cranky, but not a lot, you know, he's very low maintenance on that end, but he's also had some very significant metaphysical and near death experiences over the course of his life. And he's lived a lot of lifetimes and, you know, he's very much, uh, committed to, to living his purpose. You know, he never wavers from that. Amazing. Yeah. And what is what what has the last what 24 years been like then? You know, for the most part it's been pretty fun. You know, we, we've done lots of traveling, we have a wide circle of friends, we have lots of shared interests. You know, it's just that a couple of things happened. He got really sick a few years ago and had a stroke, which he's mostly recovered from. And then with the pandemic, you know, the world really shut down on so many levels. So we're just now starting, like we went and had brunch with some friends the other day out in the sunshine. It was so much fun. So we're just starting to see what it looks like because we haven't been traveling at all, though I'm desperate to get to Italy to see my friends over there. Um, So we'll see, but I don't think about the future much. I have found that for me, staying in present moment awareness is where is my happy place. Because if I start thinking, because for a while I was thinking, oh God, as soon as 
pandemic's over. I want to go to Maui and I want to do this and I want to do that. And then I thought, you know what? Who knows what the next variant's going to be? Who knows if I'm going to get there? I happen to live in a place with an ocean view. I just need to enjoy the ocean view that I have as opposed to the one at the Grand Wailea, <laughs> although I really enjoy that one too. Yeah. But I do think the golden age will come sooner than you. Than I hope you're right about that. I really do. I, I would like at to be here. Father, you know, yeah. I think we deserve to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. In the meantime, I think we should have as much fun as possible <laughs> within the parameters of what we're dealing with. And at the same time, you know, whatever extra energy and time and money we have, to give, we should be giving, you know, um, my Brian's a news junkie, like CNN is on all the time. <laughs> so I know everything that's going on, at least according to their version of what's going on. And, and it's, you know, I can't imagine what it must be like for these mothers with these young children, you know, crossing into foreign countries with nothing. And, and, you know, they don't know where their sons and their husbands are. And suddenly they're in this something that no one has any answers to. No one can say, oh, just hang out. Just give it 17 more days. You know, we don't know. So already almost 2 million people, you know, who have left the country as refugees, right? It's going to be like the biggest number of refugees in Europe for, for, for some time. And God bless the Polish people for opening those borders and for allowing that and what people are doing. It's incredible. And at the same time, it's also not easy for, for the Russians, you know, the, you know, a lot of them don't really want the war anyway, you know, and. Uh, and they don't have access to real information, right? They don't need, they don't know what's going on, you know, some of them, but the, what's true is that the blood that runs through the Russians is the same blood that runs through the Ukrainians is the same blood that runs through you and me. So we're all connected regardless of, yeah. the borders and we have to get to the place where we just decide to like how can we make this work for everybody yeah you know like like uh when when the pandemic first started and then there were say singaporean chinese in in london who were studying there and there was one young guy who got bashed up badly right and had to go to the hospital and and now, now the hatred is also directed at Russians. I mean, you know, people are sometimes really quite, um, cool. yeah, yeah you know, and, and stupid as well. I mean, for yeah. God's sake, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're not doing whatever you think they're doing, you know. No, I have no say. Yeah. No, it's, it's, listen, these are crazy times. I thought it was crazy when all we had to think about is what's the next crazy thing Trump's going to do, right? <laughs> you see this one coming. Okay, you know, was, we thought, okay. Hard for some of you. Oh, it was hard. Oh, my God. It, you know, but, but this is worse. You know, this is actually on so many levels worse. I don't know. All we can do is we've got to, you know, you keep channeling out that golden light that who that is who you are. I'll keep hanging out with my intention groups and, you know, we'll, we'll give it our best shot, cross our fingers, hope for the best, see what happens. I simply want people to connect with and merge with the highest aspects of who they are because it's in there, right? It's, already, it's a very practical thing. Yeah. Uh, 
you don't you know need any tools after that in the sense that once you merge it's in there that that is your go-to it's your support it's you know it's your leader it's your own inner coach uh it's everything you know and uh it's your rock right it's your source of high intelligence of wisdom of comfort of joy you know of playfulness everything really you know um so i have every intention of you know contributing as much as possible for that to happen in the next 10 years so that it gets easier is that your cat yeah <laughs> yes well he's telling me it's t- it's time for him to go to bed it's, 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 it's bedtime so uh, i've got to go put him into his room he's, he's this is a cat who can tell time it's really amazing <laughs> and he talks he's so great and what would you like to say to people to my listeners um about anything at all whether it's about um creating joy or great relationships or well i would say to the single people out there that there's no shortage of love in the world there's no shortage of conscious loving people to partner with you know and the only thing in your way is your limiting beliefs about love, that you're too old, too fat, too damaged, all the good ones are taken, you live in the wrong place, you know, whatever that is, it's not true. There's plenty of love out there. And for the people that have a partner, you know, just keep asking yourself when they do something that drives you crazy, is this a reason not to love them? And see if you can, you know, be a little gentler with yourself, with yourself and with them. Yes, I think that's very good advice. Um, And perhaps also just being, as you said earlier, in the present moment and being contented, you know. Yes. And and I would add, take responsibility for that and the self-care. Yes. Um, I'd like to thank you for this time with you. You're lovely. And, you you know, be great to connect with you again. Um, I'm just going to say goodbye for a moment. That was Ariel Ford, a wonderful um, speaker, author, and relationship expert. And um, I was just telling her that she has such a great joy of life. And she explained that it, that wasn't always the case, that uh, she had depressive um, traits and she worked on it. So I think generally for all of us, it's a great thing to uh, practice a large amount of self-care with ourselves, to take responsibility for our own inner state. And... Um, to be as happy as possible. In these times of great stress and tension, great anxiety and even depression for some, it is a great idea to accept um, or embrace imperfections within ourselves and with others. 
to love and honor ourselves even more than ever before. And the more we can do this, the more we can love and honor others. And in the meantime, this is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show, sending you much love and wishing you endless possibilities of great joy, freedom, peace, and abundance at all levels. And if you should need any help, come join us in our powerful live sessions on Zoom, where I personally coach and support you to move towards your greatest self, towards being your greatest self and having a wonderful time even now. All you need to do is check out this page, transformandthrive.club, and you can find out more there and sign up anytime. Happy transforming and thriving. You definitely have the power to do so masterfully and joyously, and I'm here to help you do that if you need. Thank you so much for joining me today. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated. Bye for now.